0: Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads, your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and indoor lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer.
1: You heard the man, I hope you got your pencils and paper ready, lacrosse fans. It's time for LAX Class, Lacrosse Classified once again, here on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Brought to you by Extreme Threads, Associated Labels and Packaging, and a brand new sponsor on the show. And a big lacrosse classified on deck here this week as we have the man in charge, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sikiewicz, will join us here in about 15 minutes time. And then the new Buffalo Bandits goaltender. I want to say the newest bandit, but he's not the newest bandit because that's Corey Small. And we'll talk about that as well coming up here momentarily on Lacrosse Classified. But Matthew Vince maybe the greatest goaltender in box lacrosse of all time, will join us here on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for joining us once again. And uh, Evan, welcome back uh, once again. And lots to talk about here in the opening. We've seen a number of free agent signings. We've seen a big trade. Uh, Where do you want to begin here?
2: Yeah, I mean, we fully had to expect this free agent signings. There are a number of players that were holding out until the CBA was dealt with. Uh, and of course the whole issue of the P- or the PLPA just not allowing players to sign but i mean we can start with the two big ones that we kind of knew about it in advance uh, Matt Vince going to Buffalo Brody Merrill heading to San Diego neither one was a real surprise uh, we had known about those ones for months but you look at Matt Vince and here's the reality of this one it, you, we did a poll on Lax All-Stars last week. Who's your favorite? Now, 55% of the responses in the East was for Buffalo. This is just how big this one signing is on its own. And, you know, nothing against Zach Higgins or you know, Alex Bouquet, who was there before, but Matt Vince puts that goaltending into a whole new class on that team. And to be frankly honest, they are now... I think they're almost everybody's favorites to win the East. I think that's gotta be the expectation, especially with the improvements on defense. Uh but the Vince signing really puts uh, the nail in the coffin on that one.
1: Yeah, I was I was like trying to figure out how I'm gonna introduce Matt Vince when we have him on the show and I went on his Wikipedia page and it's like it starts with you know, he's uh, he's won Minto Cups. He's been a Junior A MVP. He's got three Junior A OLA championships, two Minto Cups, a Minto Cup award. And that's just his junior career. Never mind the three NLL championships, the six goaltenders of the year. Like, literally, we could spend ten minutes just running down his accolades as a player. And then, if you want to throw in a gold medal as a long pole for Team Canada... You could probably do that as well. So it's it's an incredible get for the Buffalo Bandits. It's gonna be so strange to see Matt Vince wearing orange and black instead of teal. And Buffalo, you know, for fans that are kinda of new to the National Cross League, like those two teams are the ultimate rivals, like the biggest, longest standing rivalry in the National Cross League is the Rochester Nighthawks and the Buffalo Bandits.
2: Yeah. I mean, now you've got uh you know, Vince leaping from there. Same poll we ran, only eight percent of people had Rochester as their favorite in the east. Now the thing about this, they were one game away from winning the title last year. They really haven't lost much. They've lost Vince, they've lost uh Courier. You know, they're still a pretty good team, but there isn't a whole lot of faith in them anymore amongst the fan base. So it'll be interesting to see how they come there. Uh, Angus Goodleaf, likely now the new starter in Rochester. So he gets his shot. And, I mean, he's still a good goaltender. They're not really in a troublesome spot. But Matt Pence, he's 36. But you would never, if you saw him playing, you wouldn't think he's 36. He's still one of the best in the game.
1: Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. And we and we don't want to spend too much time here on Matt Vince because we got about 10 minutes before we get to Commissioner Neksekevich. But, you know, a couple other big signings. Obviously, Brody Merrill joins his uh, older brother in San Diego uh, under the general manager head coach, Pat Merrill. So Brody Merrill down to San Diego. And, and they also go out and sign Dan Dawson. So now you kind of understand why San Diego was picking younger, defensive kind of players, You signed Brody Merrill, you signed Dan Dawson, probably the two, got to be up there as the two greatest leaders and captains in National Lacrosse League history. Like, these guys bring instant leadership to that team, and and what a couple of guys for those young guys in San Diego to learn under.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you got a team that's looking for its identity. Well, these two are going to do a large part of the leading that way to get that identity. And then, of course, we got the surprise um, with Reese Dutch going, uh, getting released by the Warriors, and now ending up in Calgary. Yeah, I mean, well, let's you know, let's
1: break this down, Evan, because a lot of people up in arms over Reese Dutch, and and it and it kind of came on the heels of the Corey Small trade, which we want to also hit on here a little bit. So Reese Dutch outright released from Vancouver, and a lot of people going, "What the heck is going on?" And I. I was one of them, because for me, like, I'm okay if Vancouver wants to move away from Reese Dutch. Like, he's been a part of the stealth organization since day one, and he's the all-time franchise leader, but really, at the end of the day, he doesn't have a connection to the Warriors, if you know what I'm saying there. So, I think, actually, Reese is probably okay with it as well. Where I have issue with it, and you probably do as well, Evan, is that... If you were planning on making this move anyway, and I know you probably tried to get a draft pick for him, you couldn't do it, but you protected him in the expansion draft, you left Casey, a guy like Casey Jackson exposed who was snapped up by San Diego, and then you just turn around and outright release Dutch. Why would you not protect Jackson, leave Dutch unprotected, and if he gets picked off, fine, because you're just going to end up releasing him anyway. That's That's the part of it that doesn't really make any sense to me.
2: No, it doesn't. And, you know, there's a lot of things I've found mind-boggling about the Warriors so far. You know, you look at the Jersey incident with the kids, you look at the fact that they didn't contact stealth season ticket holders till early November for renewals. Uh, It's one thing after another after another with these guys, and I I don't get it. Um, You know, and when you look at the, the Corey Small trade there, the concern I've got is, I I get it. You needed to make the trade. There weren't a lot of teams out of east that didn't have the draft because they were after draft picks. They were after a couple first rounders, that's what they really wanted for small. And there just wasn't a team out there to to play ball with it. But to downgrade two picks <laughs> to, over on this trade, so in twenty to understand it, they get Mitch Jones. They give away Corey Small, and in 2020 and in 2022, whoever has the higher draft pick, Buffalo gets that draft pick. Vancouver gets the worst of the two. So once again, a team that's already starving for draft picks has just moved further down the board, and it just doesn't make sense to me on that end of things. Now, granted, Jones is younger, small, is older, however – Small did go and sign an extension in Buffalo, so the Bandits don't have a whole lot of issues with getting him there long-term. But still, um, I, I had to imagine there was better value than that, but you never know.
1: Well, I, I kind of look at it the other way. Like I, I I actually think this is a pretty good deal here for Vancouver. We all knew Corey Small was not going to play in Vancouver. The, the, the rumor was he was going to hold out and, you know, kind of force Dan Richardson's hand to, to make a deal. And whether that came before the season, mid season trade deadline, we didn't know. But Corey Small, due to some family reasons, had to stay back east and, and wasn't going to play in the West this year. So he was going to be moved. That devalues the trade value right off the bat because teams know that you're handcuffed there a little bit. And to get a guy like Mitch Jones for Corey Small straight up, I think, would be a good deal for Vancouver. Where I think the bonus comes in for Jones going to Vancouver is his relationship with Logan Schuss. These two kids have played together since they were about 12 years old, coming out of Delta, and the Islanders organization, and junior lacrosse, and they spend their summers playing together in New Westminster with the Salmon Bellies. So the connection that those two have on the left side is is going to pay extra dividends for Vancouver to have those two playing together. But where, like you said, where the, the issue kind of comes in is Vancouver, a team that's starved for draft picks, suddenly going to give up. You know, you're, you're looking at a, a gap of 10, 11, 12 players, depending on where the two teams finish in the standings. And the difference of player that you're going to get at the beginning of a second round, where you would imagine... Vancouver would be picking finishing near the bottom of the standings to where Buffalo would be picking, which will probably be near the top of the standings. So that's a difference of about 10 players and, and where you're going to find the difference of that player caliber between those 10 players. It's a big difference between getting a player at the beginning of the second round or at the end of the second round. And Buffalo is going to get to do that two years consecutively, whether, you know in 2 years 3 years from now whatever the case is in 2022 if Vancouver all of a sudden finishes higher and buffalo they get to keep their pick so there's no risk involved for buffalo putting these two second rounders on the table
2: and the other thing we started to see this week was uh, a lot of new, of course new contracts coming out here but the one thing we're starting to see because we've got 3 years of minimum security on the CBA we're starting to see a lot of long-term agreements. Kyle Jackson, Graham Hossick, Mark Matthews, uh, Ryan Keenan, uh, Matt Hossick, a lot of these three-year agreements starting to get signed now. So teams are starting to shore up players, uh, well into the future. Whereas in the past, we last couple of years, we saw one-year deals quite frequently, knowing that there's going to be a new CVA and they didn't really know what was going to look like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's Kyle Jackson with a five-year agreement. Uh, you just you haven't really seen that uh, at all. I think you know Mark Stainhouse. <laughs> I don't know how long ago it was now, but there was a time he signed a ten-year deal with the Buffalo Bandits way back when. But yeah, you're right. You normal the norm has kind of been one year, two years, sometimes a three-year. Rarely do we see a five-year. But Kurt Steyer is going out and signing Kyle Jackson to a five-year agreement uh, to lock him up. Which you know will bring us to the end of the new negotiated CBA. Whether we get to that fifth year in that CBA is yet to be determined. I have a feeling we'll be talking about this again in three years from now. Hopefully, we're still together in three years from now, Evan, and uh, we're, we're, we're still doing the <laughs> podcast here. But uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So um, a lot of things happening, and, and you you kind of wonder, well, why why did Reese Dutch get signed in Calgary when? You look at their right side with Berg and Curtis Dixon and Tyler Pace, and then they sign Reese Dutch, and you kind of think to yourself, well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Well, now getting word here on what is midday Monday West Coast time as we record Lacrosse Classified here, that Curtis Dixon and Berg were not in Calgary's camp last weekend. And by all accounts will not be in camp coming this weekend unless they get their contracts renegotiated. I'm hearing Berg and Dixon both holding out for the Roughnecks. And then to add to that, Evan Schemenauer, and not not a story that you'd ever like to hear, but hearing that Tyler Pace has now had some immigration issues and may not be able to travel to the USA for this coming season, which compounds things. And now you really start to understand why they've gone out and signed Reese Dutch.
2: Yeah, and I mean a week ago we were talking about how much we loved the Calgary Roughnecks and the future that was there. You're missing those three names. That's a totally different ball game. All of a sudden, you know, they're you know they're not nearly as dangerous as we thought. Now, hopefully, Dixon and Berg that gets solved relatively quickly. Um, you know, and Westberg. Uh, I mean, it was
1: just a year or two that seems to me that Westberg held out for a new contract with the rough. I think it was two years ago. So here we go again with Westberg, Berg who, you know, is a top flight player in this league and, and uh, a guy that you can really sell your franchise around. But every time his contract comes up now, it seems like, well, it's not good enough and, and he's going to hold out. And that's, that's a tough position for the Roughnecks to be in. Well,
2: I mean, we're, we're not talking millions and millions of dollars like a, william nylander here we're talking a few thousand dollars so you know whether calgary's got some salary cap issues who knows but you know i mean is he worth league max i think so so i'm not certain why it's such a difficult negotiation but uh it is what it is
1: yeah end of the day i think they probably get that deal done they may miss a week of of the regular season i highly doubt it and it kind of adds up the pressure a little bit here because training camp is so limited, with only two weeks of camp uh, before you hit the regular season and, and hit the floor running. That it's it's a tough position to to be in for both sides of that. We haven't really seen any cuts or anything come down as all teams uh, hit the floor for training camp. I think you know you'll start to see some teams and and names be released on who has not made their potential teams uh, come out in the next couple of days. But with all that being said, we got to get the commissioner on the phone here. Nick Sikiewicz is coming up here on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back after this short message.
0: Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world, specializing in lacrosse. They deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today.
1: All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Fans, don't forget customize your team with Extreme. You can find them online at extremethreads.ca. You mentioned my name and that you heard that ad on Lacrosse Classified. And when your team signs up for an apparel package, your coach or your manager, well, they get a free apparel package to go along with it. What more do you want? Check them out at extremethreads.ca. Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminer, and now joined by the man in charge of the National Lacrosse League into his fourth season. That seems so hard to believe, but it's true. Nick Sikiewicz on the program. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me.
3: Always good to be on.
1: Our pleasure, and thanks for making the time. Um, So much to talk about with you here, Nick, and I guess we'll start... Uh, with what transpired a a couple of weeks ago now, and that's a a new collective bargaining agreement with the National Cross League. I would imagine you've gone through these types of negotiations as an executive through Major League Soccer or other parts of your business world, but maybe this is the first time you've gone through something like this as the commissioner of the league, and maybe you can just explain to fans what exactly your role was during these negotiations.
3: Um, well, first of all, no, it's not my first rodeo. I went through three of these in uh, Major League Soccer, including the very first one, which was really, really difficult. Um, but I, I was on the team side of things uh, during those times. I was running running teams, and it's a little bit different when you're running a team rather than when you're at the league office. When you're at the league office, <laughs> you're really <coughs> running the process and Uh, You're on the front lines of it every day. But, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, I just want to say we're really appreciative of all the efforts from the negotiating committee um, who really led the negotiation and uh, was just fantastic. You know, the the folks on that committee really uh, uh, understood what was at stake, um, both at the player level and at the league level. And um, really, were were terrific to work with. The process, just for the fans to know, is um, here at the National Lacrosse League. You know, obviously, this was uh, led by the league office, which had me front and center with our general counsel, Stuart Friedman, along with the Player Relations Committee, which is made up of of uh, six uh, members uh, of our board coming from different teams, um, many of them, uh, you know, two two terrific ones who were outstanding in the discussions were Mike Borden, Calgary, and uh, Dan Carey, and actually Gawas Schindler up in in Rochester, all three of them former players. um, Not Mike necessarily, Mike, a lacrosse player, but Dan certainly and Gawas' former players had a great perspective from a lacrosse player standpoint. And then um, we had Dave Ziggy in Buffalo, John Arlotta in Georgia, and Brad Brewster in New England as um, the, some of the other members of the committee. So it really it ran through that committee the entire time um, with numerous interactions with the full board. Every time a proposal uh, went out or a counter proposal came back in, um, our full board was briefed on all of that. So two weeks ago, we had Jamie Dalwick as a guest on Lacrosse Classified,
2: and he painted a, a pretty ugly picture, you know, telling us that the season was on life support. Um, later that evening, Jake and I had a text from a league source talking about uh, a bad announcement coming the following day. What changed in that 24-hour time period that went from, we don't know if we're having a season, to we've got something done?
3: Well, as you know, we we had to cancel because we had to cancel the first two weekends of the season because um, we didn't have training camps and preparations at the team level were not able to be made. Um, Arenas were um, looking for date availability for other event programming. Um, So we were under a lot of pressure uh, during that time period um i don't exactly recall the exact date jamie did his interview with you um but we we eventually you know got got to a deal because we all knew we had to get to a deal for the for the sake of the fans and for the sake of
1: our league was was there a particular issue that tipped the scales in favor of one or the other like what what was kind of the the crux of it that that Made the two sides actually realize they came together. Was it just the, the the straight fear of having to cancel more games, or was there an issue that was on the table that was compromised and and you guys got together on that allowed the deal to happen?
4: No, I
3: can't. I can't say there was any one issue.
1: I, I'm I'm not going to speak to the specifics of the
3: deal. Um, that is between us and the players and the players' association. Um, and I, I don't think it was any one issue. I mean, look these. CBAs are all about money and, you know, anyone who thinks any different, um, that has never done one of these. So it really, really comes down to to money. And, and I'm very, very proud of the fact that our owners stepped up big time in this CBA. Um, the players, you know, are getting a substantial increase in salaries bonuses and reimbursables that they didn't have before. Um, you know, when during the last CBA, it was, a, it was a tough time for the league. You know, we've had three really good years of momentum building uh, with new teams coming in, a new broadcast partner and new owners um, like the Vancouver Canucks and Pagula Sports doubling down on the NLL. But that doesn't mean we've arrived. Uh, and the important thing was that we needed to make a financially responsible uh, deal in order to preserve the long term health of the league, pay players more money, yes, because they deserve more money. They're great athletes, they're the best athletes in the world in, in lacrosse and they should be paid as such. But but we had to do a financially responsible deal, which we did. Having said that, you know, our owners still, despite their big investments into the league, big investments into television deals and the creation of NLL productions to make the fan viewing experience better. They um, invested heavily in the players in this go around. And, you know, this isn't the last CBA we're going to do. This is, you know, one of many in the future years. Um, And you've got to, you know, you've got to do it in a uh, a way where it's a win-win for everybody. Players are getting 25% increase in salary benefits and reimbursables. Plus some pretty significant bonuses for the growth of the of the league on a go forward basis. So that's uh, that's a good first step given where we've come from, um, but more excitingly where we're going, and it's a deal that will and should get better as the league gets better.
1: Speaking with the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich and that kind of leads me into the next question, Nick, and it, and it really seemed to be the kind of issue at at the point of it that. The players were asking for what was going to be, and the owners are saying, we're not there yet. Let's let's slow down and and get a deal done for where we are now and look towards the future. So with this five new five-year agreement that you guys have agreed upon, there is an opt-out clause after three years for both sides if neither side is happy with the deal. But I think with that three-year window, correct me if I'm wrong here, Nick, that you guys will be able to figure out What exactly is lacrosse-related revenue, ATR, and and figure out and how to define those types of things so you're better prepared to make a longer-term deal in three to five years from now?
3: Well, we know what lacrosse-related revenues are. Um, You know, something that didn't get widely reported and wasn't talked about much is that we, we provided and have provided all the financial statements from each of the teams to the players um, association, um, you know, ad- admittedly their own financial consultant didn't look at them. Um, he-, he said that they- he didn't look at them. I, I-, I don't know yeah, what I- else <laughs> needs to be defined as lacrosse-related revenues. Um, you know, we, but, you know, we will we will sit down over the next three years as often as we can to make that as crystal clear as we can. We've been very transparent. With the numbers, we've been very transparent with each team's financial history uh, with the PLPA, and we'll continue to do that. And, and we'll continue to do that over the next three years as many times as we need to sit down with them to explain to them what lacrosse-related revenues are and what average team revenues are. and um, and, and look, the deal we have now... The players, um, the players, pretty much uh, participate in every single revenue stream that the league has available to it, and the member clubs have available to
1: it. And, and, so, that, and that's not something um, that's happens in other professional sports. We want to kind of make that clear. That's very unique to lacrosse and the National Lacrosse League, right?
4: Well,
3: certainly the not not well, it's not unique. Sharing revenue with players, every, every league, many leagues do that. Um, there are some revenue streams that we have that are unique. To, to sharing with our players, and that's the that's the sharing of expansion fees and, and revenue, and that's and that's um, pretty significant. Yeah. Um, I believe we're the we're the only league in the world that shares a portion of our uh, franchise fees with our players.
2: So, moving on from the uh, CBA negotiations, uh, you signed an agreement with the Arena Lacrosse League this week. Um, I guess two things: one is what's involved, and the second thing there is. Is there any chance, because right now it's an Ontario specific league, any chance of this moving on to, say, a British Columbia or the United States to keep growth going in those areas?
3: Absolutely, for sure. Um, the agreement with the, the Arena Lacrosse League, um, very exciting agreement for us. It's a more formalized agreement centered around player development, referee development, and uh, the development of the game. Uh, at the grassroots level, you know we we believe it's really important to get young players playing box lacrosse, and the more the, the better. Um, it creates a robust pipeline of potential future players in our league, but it also gets kids lit up on the sport. So that you know, listen, very few of them, you know, eventually go on to be you know Hall of Fame players like a John Tavares, but. Some will, um, but the vast majority for sure will always be lifelong box lacrosse players. And that's what we endeavor, you know, not just to create or find, you know, the next great NLL player, but also to, um, make an impact on kids' lives and, and influence them in a way that's very positive for their, for their entire lives. And they'll grow up to be, uh, season ticket holders and fans of the NLL for many, many decades. Uh, With regards to British Columbia and other parts of the United States, absolutely love to um, create partnerships like that. It just makes a lot of logical sense. Um, Certainly in British Columbia, where a good number of our players come from, it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a, um, you know, a, a center center hub for box lacrosse players we have many players from that area in our league um and also in the united states you know we're we're talking with a number of organizations down here where the indoor game is growing loudly all throughout the country um whether it's san diego or florida or texas it's not lacrosse is no longer a northeastern corridor sport anymore it's a sport that's um, growing all over the um the southern 50 states
1: Speaking with Nick Sakevich of the National Lacrosse League, and, and I think it's great that you have a, a relationship now with the Arena Lacrosse League, and, and that kind of brings me to the Junior A Lacrosse Leagues here in Canada and, and the BCJALL and, and the OL, OLA in, in Ontario. I would say you know close to 85%, 90% of the players come through those two leagues into the National Lacrosse League to become stars, and, and that's really where they cut their teeth you talked about building relationships and I know you have one with USA Boxla and USA lacrosse. Now the arena lacrosse league, these two junior a leagues that serve under kind of the WLA and and the MSL. How do you, how do you build those relationships? How do, how do you connect with those leagues and start to have a relationship to kind of plug into those, those markets? Well,
3: uh, it starts with a meeting and it starts with a conversation and, if that conversation leads itself to being like-minded and having similar philosophies, then it, then it leads to a relationship. Um, throughout my time here, we've had a number of conversations with all of those organizations, uh, including the Canadian lacrosse association. And, you know, we've told every one of them that we're here. Uh, we want to have relationships with every one of them. We want to help their businesses um, to the extent that we can, in the best way that we can, and we want to be involved in growing the game. And you know, I'll be I'll be really frank here with you. I know a lot about Canada and sports in Canada because of my time in Major League Soccer. Soccer is booming in the country of Canada. Um, that sport has absolutely taken off um, in Canada, and I have I have a sneaky feeling it's taken a bite out of out of lacrosse and kids maybe gravitating from playing lacrosse to playing soccer because the sport is growing um, wildly over there. I'm not that familiar with box lacrosse, but I don't think it's growing as wildly as, as soccer is. And for those leaders of those organizations up there and the Canadian Lacrosse Association, I think that's important for them to look at and, and to reinvest and to re invent themselves in order to continue to grab those kids that are coming up through the pipeline and get lacrosse sticks in their hands. Because if they don't, they're going to go up with soccer balls at their feet. And uh, I just can tell you that from my time in Major League Soccer where we've seen franchises in Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver really, really do well. I see there's a new league up there in Canada that started. My good friend Paul Byrne, is involved in that league and they're doing a great job spreading the word of soccer in Canada. And what I'm saying to everybody up there is we need to continue to spread the word of lacrosse um, in Canada and make sure that we make the right investments and do the right things to grow the game because there's others that want to take the kids and have them do something else. So uh, that would be just my, my opinion.
2: So, a few weeks ago, we were supposed to have a, an announcement on a New York franchise, and of course, that was postponed. Was that optics, or is there something uh, further going on with that?
3: No, that wasn't optics. Um, that was very real. And, uh, you know, when, when the owner of, of that franchise knew that we were in a very, very difficult situation with our players and, and the CBA, they had uh, second thoughts about coming into the league, and we felt that it was just better at the time to uh, postpone that announcement um, and kind of reset ourselves going into um, the new season. Now that we have a, a new CBA, um, we're, we're working to um, uh, we're working to correct that situation.
1: Well, hopefully that. Sure. Situ- Sorry, Evan. I, hopefully that situation corrects itself. And and right now with Halifax coming in with the the 12th team, and and you can go back to this, Evan, if you like, after this question. But with with potentially and hopefully that 13th team being announced uh, in in the not too distant future here, Nick, uh, that kind of leads me down the road of what do we do with our playoff format, and how do we get our conferences, our divisions, if you will aligned a little bit better as far as east and west go so when the 13th team hopefully does get announced will we see a shift in the playoff format and how are we going to align the conferences a little bit better to be balanced
3: well with or without a 13th team um, that uh, that is something that we've been thinking about very closely um, with regards to a 12-team league next year Uh, as you know Halifax is scheduled to come in next year and will come in next year. So we'll have at least 12 teams playing in the 2019-2020 season. And we, we've been evaluating concurrently with our with our expansion efforts what a multi-conference week could look like. Um, so I would expect um, some developments on that front. With regards to the playoff format, you know, something that I've said pretty regularly to the players and the players' leadership along the CBA negotiations is we're not the NBA. We are not the NHL. Um, even though a lot of people like to compare us to those leagues and those sports, um, there's very little to compare. We're a small league of 11 teams this year. Uh, we're growing to 12 teams. Um, you know, we we have uh, a very modest Level of revenue as compared to those leagues, and, and there's just no comparison. So, uh, we, we have to grow, we have to invest in growth, we have to work very hard um, to earn our reputation every day. And you know, it's like an old saying um, businesses and reputations are built with thousands and thousands of positive acts and only destroyed with one. And so, we have a lot of work to do here in the coming months and the coming years to make ourselves um, a real comparison to the NHL and the NBA, and uh, I'm still very confident we'll do that. And We will evolve to uh, multi-conferences, but in due course when we grow.
2: So you, there was talk at one stage of possibly a 14th team. Is the 13th team the last one that's going to be there for 2020, or is there anything else that's in the pipeline at this
3: stage? Um, right now, we're just trying to get the 13 teams uh, for the 2020 season. Um, you know, that I feel good about um, now that we have the CBA behind us. But, um, you know, you, you, you use the word hope, and I, I never use hope as a strategy. We've got to work hard at it. We've got to be smart about it, and we have to prove ourselves. So we are we are doing that. And the the news will come when the news comes, Jake. Um, we'll 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 let you know when we're at thirteen teams. But right now we're at
1: twelve. Sounds good to me, Commissioner. Uh, some more time here with Nick Sakevich. We appreciate your time, Commissioner, for for joining us here on the podcast, and and so many things we want to get to, and and maybe. Something that I know you're very excited about and it's near and dear to your heart and that's the relationship with Turner and, and BR Live and and to add to that the the brand new studio I saw Renee uh, posting up some some pictures and videos of the brand new studio for N L L Productions so with, with the new broadcast features on BR Live, I know you've said there, there's going to be a real enhanced broadcast for all the games, and, and I look forward to that and, and some of the content coming out of the NLL Production Studio. What can you tell the fans about how the system will work? Is it going to be a pre-subscription? Do you have pricing set and involved? How can they sign up, all that sort of stuff?
3: Well, for games, um, the, all the live games will be on BR Live. Uh, it's a su- subscriber-based system. I know they rolled out uh, Canada subs- uh, subscription, um, the subscription platform in Canada, I want to say a couple weeks ago. They they were having some initial problems with it. I don't know if they've sorted it out yet. I think they have, um, but all you, d- you have to do is just jump on to BR Live, and you can subscribe for the upcoming season. All the packages are priced out there. And, and laid out um, with regards to uh, NLL Productions, you know, we were candidly a little bit on a holding pattern because of the CBA and not knowing it was total uncertainty there, and we didn't know whether we were going to have a season or, or what. But again, that's a big investment for the NLL owners. You know, we, we, we've heard um, over the last couple of years the lack of satisfaction with the, the broadcast quality and that was because NOL TV was really just a test. Um, and that te- and that test proved out to be very good. So the owners invested a lot of money and this year they're investing a lot of money into the broadcast quality um, to make it to make it a real television broadcast And what I think the fans and, and everyone will see this year on BR Live is is really a broadcast level quality broadcast coming from the arenas instead of just um, kind of a a hodgepodge, you know, internet streaming package. This is going to be a much improved production of television with on-floor reporters and real talent. Um, You know, a lot of our guys that we've had in the past are coming back, but we have some new talent coming uh, on board. Um, There'll be a lot of free content. For viewing on BR Live as well. All of you know, Renee and Devin are uh, the new talent that we have here in the new studio in Philadelphia. They'll be bringing you uh, feature stories, documentaries, uh, historical uh, videos, and some really cool stuff that's going to be generated and developed out of our uh, headquarters here uh, at the league office.
1: Speaking of of TV, and I know BR Live wants to give that TV feel and that TV look, Nick. And, and I know you just mentioned that you know we're still a relatively small league and we're not on the same playing field as as the NBA or NHL yet, um, but you believe that this league can get there. Does an, a North American national TV deal, say whether it's an ESPN or a TSN or a Sportsnet, do you need to have that major North American TV deal in place to get this league to where you want it to go to?
3: Um, I, I don't think it's necessary anymore. Um, the, the iPhone I'm talking to you on is the television today, and certainly for our demographic, for the young millennial denig- demographic that's growing up, um, they don't even have 50-inch television screens anymore. They, they watch... Uh, all of their sports content, and this is the generation that's going to really propel the National Lacrosse League over the next two decades. They're on they're on mobile devices, they're on computer desktops, they're on iPads. Um, yes, they do also watch on big screen televisions, but that's what they have Apple TV. Um, you know, there's there's three types of consumers in sports television these days. You know, David Levy, uh, the president of Turner. Uh, presented to us at our board meeting in Atlanta talking about three types of consumers. There's the, there's the cord cutters. Um, there's the cord watchers or the cord shavers. Uh, there's the cord cutters, the cord shavers and the cord nevers and the cord cutters and the cord shavers, the cable companies aren't too worried about, but the cord nevers are the ones that are, they're really worried about. And there's more and more of them today than ever before that just don't have cable. And so we, we think that we can get to the consumer that fits our core demographic, whether they're a cord cutter or a cord shaver or a cord never. The cord nevers are the ones that are taking over the world here over the next couple of decades. Um, and they're, and they're going to be a very digital, um, group of people that, uh, we can get to on the digital platform. It gets better and better every day as the technology gets better. And uh, we're very committed to the digital platform. That that doesn't mean to say that we won't be on a linear platform someday, but at least for the foreseeable future, we're going to really invest big, like the other leagues are investing big into the digital space.
2: Uh, Late last week, it was announced by the FIL that they had provisional Olympic recognition. Now, of course, they're talking field lacrosse with this, but are there any side
3: benefits that getting lacrosse in the Olympics is going to have for the NLL? Yeah, of course. It was big news. It was great news. Um, You know, we think that that is going to be a huge benefit. Lacrosse is lacrosse, whether it's indoors or outdoors. The kids are playing both today, and the future of lacrosse in the Olympics looks very bright. Um, we have people very involved in that effort, working with Jim Shear and, and the, um, who's the head of the FIL, in order to make that happen. And we've been very very supportive of all that work. One of the first things I did when I read that press release was congratulate Jim on his efforts. Um, it's huge. It's you know lacrosse in the Olympics means more lacrosse for everybody, regardless of whether it's uh, what format it takes whether it's field or box Uh, lacrosse is good lacrosse
1: speaking of field lacrosse and in a different type of model and and i know you're you're not living under a rock so you've seen the the news of paul rabel and his new professional lacrosse league which i think is is a good thing that that it's not going to try and compete with the national lacrosse league and it's going to take place in 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 the off season if you will and and kind of allow players to to migrate back and forth but I know you know Paul. I know you know what he's capable of. What do you think of of this new model that he's rolling out, and and what do you think of the Premier Lacrosse League?
3: Well, new money
1: flowing into lacrosse
3: is always a good thing, Um, and all the positive attention, it helps all of us. Uh, Paul's group has been um, open about saying uh, they see us as complementary to what they're doing, and we agree. Uh, we see what they're doing is very complementary to what we're doing, and we certainly wish them well uh, with their model, and we'll see uh, we'll see how we can work together and how it plays out in the future. They have a lot of work to do to launch their their league uh, next year. Uh, I know all about launching leagues. <laughs> I haven't done one myself and and I kind of feel like we're we're in constant relaunch of the NLL uh, over my past three years. So I know how tough it is, but when we think it's a good thing, we're very supportive of it. Uh, Paul's a great guy. You know, we we talk regularly, um, as I do with Sandy Brown, the head of the uh, Major League Lacrosse, who's a longtime friend of mine, and and uh, has the Major League Lacrosse and some very capable hands of his. Uh, so we support both those leagues. We're delighted to see that. Both leagues' schedules are lined up to the back end of our schedule, and it's great for our players. We, we now have players in our league who can play in that league without any interruption, maybe minimal interruption if they go to the Champions Cup. Um,
1: and vice versa league. too, right? But, like Vice versa. You, you now have the opportunity yeah, to get and, some of those American guys that have predominantly just played field lacrosse to get them into the box.
3: No, that's exactly right. So, so it's all gotten better for the player. It's all gotten better for the fans. There's more money in lacrosse, and there's nothing wrong with those three things.
2: So, we talked quite a bit about the MLS. Um, what have you found? Are the similarities between running MLS, running the NLL, and what I
3: guess are your biggest differences between running the two leagues? Um, there's a lot of similarities in in, in the startup of um, the league. I see. I see lacrosse is a little bit of deja vu for me all over again, Um, back to when I was a player where the sport was growing. The sport of soccer was growing wildly in the 80s and and through the 90s. Um, I see in the U.S. um, a very similar growth trajectory for lacrosse. I mean, it's banging down here in the States. Everywhere you look, there's more kids picking up lacrosse sticks, uh, whether it's in the Southeast or Southwest or... Texas or the Midwest, you see it growing wildly. And that feels really good. It feels like soccer 20, 30 years ago. So there's a similarity there. You know, we deal with uh, similar problems. You know, when we when we started Major League Soccer, we were, we were tiny 10-team league. You know, we're an 11-team league in lacrosse now. Um, you, you, you see a lot of the similar the similar challenges and hurdles that you have to jump through television sponsorship Uh, broadcast production um, distribution of the product media coverage um, those are all challenges that we have to work through every day and everyone needs to understand those challenges the differences um, the biggest difference i see is in our athletes Um, we have the best lacrosse players in the world playing in the nll i didn't have that luxury in soccer Um, major league soccer to this day isn't the best soccer league in the world it's a great league it's a the best American league, um, but it's not a global leader in, in uh, athlete quality. We are. We have the best of the best playing in our league, and um, that helps. That That's a big differentiator, in my opinion, and it's a big uh, part of our value proposition to the fans. When they buy a ticket, uh, we can confidently say to them that they're coming to see the best of the best in lacrosse
1: couple more minutes here with the Commissioner of the National Cross League, Nick Sakevich. Uh, I really appreciate your time here, Nick. Uh, I heard you say Champions Cup. Now, I don't know if that was just a slip. I thought last year we had just switched to NLL Cup. Personally, now, I like Champions Cup. I'm used to Champions Cup. I like the name Champions Cup. Or was that just a slip? Are we going with NLL Cup or are we going with NLL, uh, Champions Cup?
4: <laughs> No, no, you're right. That was that
1: was a switch. <laughs> okay. I just want to clarify so we don't get any confusion. A um, couple more here, Nick. Uh, as far as expansion goes, what, what do you think is the easiest sell to a new ownership group? So when you're going to propose, hey, come join the National Lacrosse League, what, what do you say to these guys and where they just go, holy cow, this looks great? And on the flip side of that, what do you think the biggest challenge is to try and sell a new ownership group to join the NLL?
3: One answer for both questions a long term collective bargaining
1: agreement. (laughs) Yes, okay, okay. Ideally, let's, okay, answer me this then, Nick. How, ideally, from a commissioner's point of view, from an ownership point of view, what is the right number for a long term collective bargaining agreement? Is it seven years? Is it 10 years? Is it six years?
3: Well, it's different for different leagues. So, obviously, for the big leagues, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, those leagues are highly matured with lots of revenue dollars flowing in and lots of relevance across the entire planet. Much, much different answer than a, than a young, unproven, nascent, growing league like ours. You know, we're growing. We're growing the right way. We're growing in a fiscally responsible way. Um, but for a league like ours, um, 10 or 12 years would be Um, you know, I, I said this before that, um, having a 10 or 12 year deal, uh, with our, with our players would be, would be uh, manna from heaven for expansion, uh, uh, for expansion of this league. And the reason for that is, you know, we have a, we have a really good financial model, really good operating model where owners can look at our league, make an investment and see a way to. Maybe not a short-term way to make a lot of money, but a long-term way to really create a lot of value and make money. With a short-term CBA, it makes it very difficult to see that. Um, with a long-term CBA, it makes it very easy to, to see a pathway to profitability and success in across over the long haul. And Most of the types of investors that we get and that we're trying to get are the ones that have a long view. Uh, Joe I and Comcast Spectacore, are all um, they don't they don't buy investments they don't make investments to flip them in a short time they they're in it for the long haul um, they look at these things they don't look at these things as vanity investments they look at them as really smart business decisions and they have a long view towards investment in lacrosse which is the types of owners that we want to have quite frankly so so the answer for our league is much different than the answer for an NBA. Now, having said that, I know the NBA did a long-term deal. I think they did a Adam did a seven or eight-year deal uh, the last um, CBA, which was really smart on everybody's part. And that there's no secret that the NBA is probably the quickest moving in terms of growing their. Asset value of any of the sports leagues, and and I believe a long term CBA had a lot to do with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Last one for you uh, before we let you go. I got to ask you what do you what are you most excited about about the upcoming season? And then once you're done telling me that, you can give me your NLL Cup finals prediction.
3: <laughs> uh, I don't I'm not really good at predicting, so I'm going to avoid that question. But what I'm what I'm most excited about, um, frankly, is the start of the season. Um, you know, even though I'm a soccer guy, I, I have to say I'm I'm a lacrosse fan now and I can't wait to get back to playing lacrosse. Um, I'm going to be sitting in my season tickets at the Wings opener on the 15th. And I'm just glad we're getting back to playing lacrosse. You know, and the, the real winners of all of this are the fans and the players who players get to play. And fans get to be fans and that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Well, I couldn't agree more. I suppose I'm going to be a fan this, this NLL season, which will be a little bit weird myself, but uh, I can't wait for it to get going. We're just, uh, well, a, a about 12 days away, I suppose, uh, from getting going here in the National Lacrosse League of season. Nick, uh, once again, thank you for your time. I know uh, those weren't uh, the easiest of questions, some of them to answer, and uh, you did a fine job with it, and uh, thanks for coming on, and hopefully we get a chance to, to catch up down the road here in the not-too-distant future.
3: You bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on any time.
1: Thank you. Nick Sikevich, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League here on Lacrosse Classified. Quick break coming up, and then the new Buffalo Bandits goaltender, Matt Vince Vino, is now a bandit, and he's next here on Lacrosse Classified.
0: Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level.
1: All right, welcome back to La Crosse Classified. Thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. fans. what they do is they create First impressions for all your packaging and labeling needs. Make sure you check them out at associated labels.com or at associated LP as in labels and packaging. All right. Uh, thanks to the commissioner for coming on. Now uh, we have the newest Buffalo bandits goaltender, and this is just so crazy for me to even wrap my head around. Matthew Vince, maybe the best goaltender of all time to play box lacrosse. And I'm not shy about saying that. You look at the accolades, the resume of one Matthew Vince, and he is right near the top of every category when it comes to goaltending. But now we'll be wearing orange and black instead of teal and purple. Matthew Vince, my first question to you is Buffalo.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a little bit of a shock for a lot of people, but, um, you know, it was one of those things where I was thinking about through the course of the summer and uh, just tried to think long-term and, and where I was going to be, um, you know, not only this year coming up, but but in future years. And uh, I thought it was probably the best fit for me. I think they they have all the things that I was looking for. Um, they have a great team, great organization, great coaching staff, great management, and and obviously, I think it's a team that, you know, can challenge for for a championship. Uh, um, so all those things kind of played a, played a big part in my role and my decision. And, uh, you know, being so close to home, it it seemed like it was a uh, no-brainer.
2: Yeah, let's talk about that uh, that roster now. You got Small, you got Sweeting, drafted McKay, Gilray. You got even a deaf guy like John Harnett in the mix. Is the NLL Cup or the championship now the expectation? Because um, I mean, everybody seems to be predicting Buffalo's uh, taking the East this year.
4: Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know every team is looking to to hopefully you know have a chance to to battle for the championship, and um, you know that was uh, that was our goal last year in Rochester. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the East that are, that are going to uh, go into the year with the same type of mindset that we have uh and 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 try to try to win win and you know take that title away from uh the rush so um yeah i think our roster you know we're set to to hopefully you know uh, battle hard and 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 there's a lot of different variables that depend on you know whether or not you're going to be successful but hopefully we you know we gel early in uh in you know the mini two week uh training camp that we're allotted and uh, you know there's a lot of new faces, so it's gonna you know put a lot of commitment from a lot of our guys in order to be able to to do that.
1: You mentioned success matt vince and 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 obviously you guys had that run of three straight champions caps uh with the nighthawks besides yourself what what do you think the the common trait for those nighthawk teams which made them successful
4: I think you know if I look down down the roster, I don't know if necessarily we're the most skilled That. um you know you know those first couple of years but you know we were a good team um you know there's a difference between having a high skill set and being a good team and i think you know having the right coaching staffs in place plays a big role and and having those key guys you know necessarily whatever position you are you got to buy in uh, to what the coaches is, is preaching and i think we did that uh in rochester you know a lot of those skilled players you know they did whatever it took in order to to win and I think we got to do the same thing now in Buffalo. You know, we got to buy into what our coaching coaching staff is is preaching, and, and hopefully that you know we're going to be able to be one of the last teams standing. That, you know, uh, come June.
2: So you're locked in for three years there in Buffalo. Was that something you wanted? That long-term stability,
4: or is that something the team wanted? How did that all develop? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I think both. Both uh, sides, you know, thought that this wasn't just a one and done type of uh, approach and that's not what I wanted, um, you know, um, you know, ever in my career. I've never signed a one year contract. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like thinking of, you know, the big picture and where we're going to be, you know, not, not only this year, but next year, you know, it, it is a process and uh, hopefully we're, we're, uh, you know, where we want to be at the end of this year, but Obviously, you want to be in a in a position where you're going to be part of something, and and you know Buffalo is is where I wanted to be, um, you know not only this year but next year and and moving forward.
1: Speaking with Buffalo Bandits Matt Vince, Um as a goaltender, Matt that has literally won everything, if not multiple times, uh, Minto Cups, Man Cups, NLL Cups, MVPs, goalie of the years. How does a 36 year old Matt Vince stay motivated to want to go out and be the best season after season? Uh, it's,
4: it's. I think it's just the way I was kind of brought up. Uh, you know, I was the youngest brother, so I was always kind of, kind of, you know, trying to prove everybody that I could play with my older brothers. And I think that, you know, that 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 was instilled in me at a young age. And you know, now you just, you know, I'm I'm competitive. Whether it's, uh, you know, playing or or coaching, you know, my high school. Uh, hockey team or lacrosse team you know I'm competitive I want to win and um, I think that's what you know motivates me and I think now moving to a new team it's a, it's a it's a totally different uh, atmosphere you know I don't have that you know that comfort level that I had uh, in prior years with with coaching staff so it is new and it's, and it's exciting And I think that's kind of you know something that I you know that maybe I, I, I needed in order to kind of you know want to you know, continue to win, and and so now I have the you know the challenge in front of me of trying to win with a new team, and 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 showing that you know I can be a leader and, and be a big part of something, um, and you know just just kind of go forward. I want to win another championship, and that's the the end goal. You know, you want to win as many as you can.
1: Well, you're coming off uh, another Man Cup with the Peterborough Lakers. Uh, you've spent some time in Victoria, and now you've been in Rochester, now you've been in Buffalo. And I got an interesting fan for or a question from a fan that I want to ask you. And, and as a goaltender, when you come to a new team, all of a sudden you have new coaches, a new system, a new new defenders in front of you. How does that affect you as a goaltender? Does that make you kind of change your style a little bit, or do you? just have to try and adjust to what they're doing in front of you? Or do you just do what you've always done as a goalie and just try and stop the ball? Yeah. You
4: know, it's, it's a combination of, uh, of all of the above. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to go in there and just tell people, you know, this is how I like to play. Cause that's not realistic. Uh, you know, the coaching staff that they have there have been successful as players and, and now as coaches, uh, whether it's been in the, in the NLL or in the summer. So, um, you know, they have a game plan and, and I think, you know, their game plan kind of, uh, I think, met a lot of the things that I like. So, um, you know, and those conversations, uh, you know, that I did have with them in the, in the summertime and, and now in the fall, uh, you know, meshed really well. So I think they're looking for me to be vocal and, and try to help some of those younger uh, defensemen. Um, but ultimately they have, they have some really good D guys in place that I have played with, you know, in Peterborough, uh, in St. Catharines, Team Canada, all those different things. So. I think it's gonna be a little bit of, of both. I you know, I'm gonna to have to adjust and uh you know, hopefully I can just bring a lot of the things that I like in or in order to be, you know, comfortable in the net.
1: And, and when you talk about those things that you like, Matt, that, that's sort of things like when you're shorthanded where you'd like to see the shock come from or you know, when, when this guy's winding up, I know he likes to do this, so make sure that as a defender, you're taking away this for, for him and, and just kind of giving your input on what you've seen over the years as a goaltender against certain power plays or, or offensive players.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, when you've been playing a league for a long time, you've seen a lot of different situations and uh, you know, that's no different. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to say that this is where, where I feel comfortable. And, and sometimes it's, it's not going to go, you know, the way that I want, because, you know, some of our players might not be comfortable. So uh, I think it's going to be a give and take type of thing, but you know, I, I ultimately know how I like a defense to be played. And I was fortunate to be with Mike Hazen and in Peterborough and in, in Rochester for a long time. So, you know, he knew exactly, you know, how I liked uh, a certain D to be played. And, you know, I, I, I have played for Rich Kilgore before in six nations. So, yeah, you, know, you know we do have that history, and I think uh, you know, you know that's that's going to go a long way. It's not like I'm coming in new to, you know, some some coaching staff that I've never you know been a part of before.
2: So, is there any bandits players that you're happy you no longer have to face, or any Rochester
4: players that you're now a little afraid you have to face? <laughs> yeah, like uh, I'm, a, I'm a goalie, and you know there's some good shooters on Buffalo uh and and I just left the team that you know that was loaded with uh with a great offense, so you got to deal um, with that jammer
1: know. twister now in games instead of just practice, you know
4: yeah yeah, I know, and uh, you know there's a lot of good tools on there, and you know Cody Jamison is one of the best shooters in in the game um if not the best so um you know I'm, I'm not looking forward to playing against a lot of those guys it, it was a different, difficult decision because you know I'm, i was close or or considered them really good friends um so this wasn't you know a decision about teammates or anything like that uh it was about you know being put myself in the best position that i thought for my for the rest of my career um you know i'm gonna be playing against those guys you know three or four times I, I didn't move division so i didn't put myself in a great position if i wanted to avoid them uh but again you know th- those guys are competitors coach jameson's one of the biggest uh competitors i know big game player and uh you know i'm I'm not dreading it. I'm kind of dreading the time where, you know, I have to go against them, but you know, it's going to be a good challenge and, and hopefully, you know, I do. Okay.
1: Speaking with goaltender, Matt Vince of the Buffalo bandits, a couple more here for you, Vino. know, uh, you talk about big games, some big games will be coming up in, well, just uh, under a year from now in Langley, British Columbia at the 2019 world indoor championships. Do you think you got one more run in yet for, for a gold medal for team Canada? Uh, I would,
4: I would love to have the opportunity. Um, uh, you know, playing for Team Canada is, is, is a big honor, and you know, for, unfortunately for myself, you know, the field game uh, in Israel, all those different things kind of fell apart for me, and I wasn't able to to attend. And and now going to, you know, the indoor game, it's it's not whether or not I have one more in me, it's whether or not you know Team Canada is going to take me or not, because. You know, there's some great goalies in the league, and you know, I was just talking, you know, now with my new goalie partner, uh, you know, Higgins, and uh, you know, we were just saying, you know, it's a crapshoot of who who gets picked because you know, you got uh, Del Bianco, you got uh, Kirky, uh, you got
1: Dylan Ward, you got uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, you
4: got all these different
1: guys. I was going to ask know, you, Matt, who, like, as a as a veteran goaltender, sorry to cut you off, but as a veteran goaltender. And you look at these young guys like Dylan Ward and Del Bianco, like who who stands out to you as maybe the next one or two great goalies coming up, or is it those two guys in particular?
4: Yeah, I think so. You know, they're you know Dylan's. You know, I think he's like twenty seven or something like that, and you know Del Bianco's just coming out of junior. So you know those guys got to be the guys. Uh, I played with you know Dylan Ward, you know as a defender you know, played in front of him. So I've seen him in big games and, you know, he has it. Like he has all those different tools and, and, you know, watching Del Bianco come into his own last year. That's not something that I don't think I would have been prepared to do you know, coming out of junior. So those guys, you know, they are, they are the future of, you know, the goaltending and the NLL. And, you know, I, you know, I threw out a lot of names there and it's just, you know, I think Canada's blessed with, you know, really good box across goaltenders that are right around the same age. There's so many guys that are 27, 28, 30. And then, you know, I'm kind of now the oldest, I think, running goaltender left in the NLL. So there's a lot of guys kind of in that mix that, you know, can can play for Team Canada.
2: And Maybe we'll leave you with this question here. Eight years in Rochester, long time. I know Cody Jamison's already missing you on Twitter.
4: Uh, what are you going to miss most about being in Rochester? Well, that's, you know, being there for years, there's a lot of different things I'm going to miss. You know, I spent majority of my career there. Most of my success was there. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm going to miss, you know, the coaching staff, the players, you know, the fans, the whole whole atmosphere was, you know, really good. And I felt really comfortable playing there. So, you know, a lot of those guys are my, you know, my close friends. You know, some guys are now, you know, gone or, you know, retired out of the league, but, you know, all those different things, you know, Mike Hazen was a great coach with Paddy O'Toole, Mike Kersey, all those guys, uh, played a big part in my success and, you know, I'm forever thankful. And that's kind of it. I, you know, I said on my, you know, goodbye message that, you know, I hope it meant as much to everybody else as it meant to me. And, and just looking at, at those type of things, you know, it's going to be a, a tough situation, you know, not only for myself, but my, for my family, when we go back to Rochester, uh, you know, I think it'll be an emotional day. And, uh, you know, it's um, you know I'm forever thankful for, for not only the management in Rochester, the players, but also the fans.
1: Well, just for the record, Matt, uh, my answer would have been garbage plates at Dinosaur Barbecue, but me and you... i never had one,
3: actually.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, would, actually I don't one.
1: doubt that with your body physique <laughs> and mine, uh, two completely different things. So, uh, you know what? I, I, one thing i got to say before we let you go here, Matt, is I cannot wait to see the paint job. Uh, Vino paint usually does up your mask. I cannot wait to see the paint job for your new Buffalo mask. Hopefully you've got that in the works. You've known what's been going on here for a little ways leading up to the season. I know that takes some time, so uh, the fans will be excited for that, as will I. Matthew Vince, uh, thanks for joining us here on Lacrosse Classified, and best of luck uh, in Banditland this season, man
4: oh thank you i appreciate you having me on i'm looking forward to it
1: all right matt vince of the buffalo bandits it's going to take some time to get used to seeing that over and over again uh we thank matt vince for his time one more quick break here on lacrosse classified before we wrap things up and we'll do that on the other side of this stick around
0: pure vital labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market EVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come.
1: All right, you heard it right there, folks. Brand new sponsor on the show, Pure Vitalabs. Labs. Their slogan anything else would be unsportsmanlike. I love it. Uh, Tons of NLO athletes under their hood. Thanks to Pure Vital Labs for coming on board. What we're going to do, they got got a number of NLOs, like I said. We're probably going to check in with those guys maybe once a month and see what they're doing, pick the guys that are playing the best. They also got a couple of female professional lacrosse players under their stable as well, and I thought it would be super cool to, to have maybe a Kylie O'Miller come on and, and have a conversation with her, get to know the women's game a little bit. That's something we haven't done, and I'm sure our listeners would be uh, pretty interested to hear about that, Evan.
2: Yeah, um, to be frankly honest, I could start using the product myself. <laughs> I think you know you and I are two of the biggest guys in this league. So yeah, <laughs> check them out. Uh, make awesome. sure
1: you check them out at PVL.com. They got uh, <laughs> lots of workout stuff, protein powders, energy drink, all that sort of stuff. It's all natural, as you could hear there. In the ad, and uh, really good stuff. And listen, these these NLL guys—they're not uh, going to endorse a product they don't believe in. So, yeah, absolutely, we may have to jump on board and uh, see what the product can do for us. The only problem with that, Evan, is that you actually have to work out when you're taking the product. So that's the part you got to wrap your head around Yeah, yeah I know.
2: <laughs> I always procrastinate <laughs> on that end. But uh, me and you both, no, my I mean, friends. If it if it works, it works. You got to put the effort in. So with
1: all that said, uh, we are looking for one more sponsor. As I pander here publicly, I don't normally like to do that, but since we're introducing a new sponsor, we got room for one more sponsor here on Lacrosse Classified. So if you're interested, you know how to find me by now at PXB for Sports, or if you got my number, you, you can find me. If you want to find me, you can find me. And lastly, I just want to send a quick shout-out to Sequani Baker. Shout-out to Chase Scanlon, who provided the beat here for Lacrosse Classified. Uh, to Alex Kerrigan and Justin Morissette, who voiced over uh, our commercial ads. Can't thank you guys enough for, for doing old Jumbo a favor in that regard, so appreciate that. So big thanks to all those guys and, of course, to our sponsors, Extreme Threads, Associated Labels. And Pure Vital Labs uh, couldn't do the show without you. Just a couple more minutes here in Lacrosse Classified before we let you go and still kind of waiting for names to come down from cuts, uh, Evan, over this past weekend and with these two, these teams only having a couple of weeks to, to trim their rosters I would expect a, a healthy dose of players' names to be released and then probably snatched up. I mean, you're going to see a handful maybe two handfuls of players snatched back up to other teams because one, they probably didn't have. Maybe they didn't perform that great on the opening week, and and another team is very familiar with what their body of work is, and are going to feel way more comfortable signing them than maybe another team was. Last thing I want to mention here, Evan, before we go, did you check out San Diego? I know we're kind of gushing over San Diego the last couple of weeks. These guys are running training camp outdoors in a turf box, like under the sunshine. Oh. It's just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, when we talked last week with Steve Gowett saying we need to make it down there, I think that just kind of pushed the button a little further. It's like, yeah, we got to make it down there. Uh, You know, with with what's going to happen this week, these teams need to get their rosters down quickly. They don't have a lot of time. You know, if you're a team that's got 45, 50 guys, you just don't have the time to look at all of them. And, you know, there's going to be some teams still looking to fill a hole and all of a sudden a big name pops off the board. And, you know, just like Reese Dutch this week, he he was on, on the board and off the board within 24 hours. So you could see some massive flips back and forth just because these guys exist. Uh, you know, so the people with the transactions board, the league are going to be uh, working overtime just to get everything up on there. And, of course, then next week, um, about this time next week, teams are going to be finalizing their rosters. So uh, a whole lot more cuts. And, once again, you can see the exact same thing play out with a lot bigger names on the board and teams scrambling to get them all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, it's going to be real interesting, the approach that some teams take. Uh, There was an exhibition game in Toronto at the Toronto Rock Athletic Facility, the center, the track, uh, the rock, and the rush got after. Played to a 12-12 tie in that one. And I think you'll see some other impromptu uh, exhibition games between a couple of teams pop up here over the, the coming weekend as as teams try and get ready for the National Cross League season that begins on December and we the have, 15th.
2: And we have a big one uh, December 8th, about well, 8,000 tickets sold here in Saskatchewan
1: for on rush and roughnecks. Okay. That's news to me. I thought that game had been canceled. Apparently, it's back on at SaskTel Center, so that's good news. For Saskatoonies, what do you guys call yourself over there, Evan? I don't even know. Saskatonians? Saskatchewanites. Saskatchewanites. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> It works. It works. All right, uh, big thank you to Commissioner Nick Sikevich for spending some time with us, for Matt Vince for coming on the show, and of course to you, the loyal listener, for checking out Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. I also got to get a quick shout-in to all the other podcasters on Lax All-Stars. They keep giving me shout-outs on their podcast, so I got to do the same. Game Changer Outside the Eight, Know the Game. There's others on the Lacrosse Podcast Network. Make sure you check them out. Give them a listen. Make sure you listen to ours first. Let's get that clear. Make sure you listen to Lacrosse Classified first. And then go and check out all those other podcasts. Alright, our time is up. Thanks to the Commissioner Nick Sakevich and Matt Vince for coming on the show. And thanks to you, the listener, once again for checking out lacrosse classified for our sponsors extreme threads associated labels and packaging and pure vital labs we got to get on our way for evan shemnar i've been jake elliott and for the fastest game on two feet and for the crater we'll talk to you next week here on lacrosse classified